0: The Lord be with you, Pillar community. Thank you for this opportunity to bring the Word of God today. Angela and I are so thankful to be part of this congregation where we have been nourished in the ways of the gospel, where we have been inspired to go out and do the mission to which God has called us. We are just thankful. We are thankful that we can... Uh, also have a partnership with Pillar Church with Multiplication Network Ministries. And so we're thankful for your support, for your finances, your prayers, your love. And yes, you're also your encouragement. We need it and we're thankful for that. Because of our partnership in 2021, 5,729 new verifiable congregations have been started in over 50 countries around the world and so thank you for your partnership we want to tell you about just one story one story of a church that is getting planted that isn't even part of those 5,729 it is a church that will be counted this year in 20. 22. And it's the story of Israel. Israel is our director in the Dominican Republic. He's a great guy. He has a great sense of humor. He uh, is raising a couple lovely children with his wife, Yomaira, who's a psychologist. And together, they are working with nine denominations that have come together around a table called La Mesa de Plantación de Iglesias. This is the national roundtable for the planting of healthy churches. And they are trying to saturate the Dominican Republic with new communities of faith. But he doesn't only do this at a national level. He also does it at a local level. And he practices what he preaches. Uh, Israel met uh, our sister Rocio. Here you can see a picture of Rocio. She's a lovely young lady who has received Christ only in the last nine months. And yet Rocio who said she feels now a fire in her heart to share with others who are going through the same despair that she once was going, who are going through situations that she was going through. She's sharing with children, with women, and with some guys and families. She's sharing the gospel with them and here's a, a picture of their congregation in Boca Chica. Now, for now, it's just a Bible study. But this year, Rocio will be going through a whole training so that she can better lead under Israel and Yomira's leadership this new community of faith. I was so surprised to learn that she just after I met her a couple months ago, uh, she was baptized. And here's a picture of her being baptized. Praise the Lord for people like her that are doing the work of the Lord so early on in their walk with Christ. The central thought I'd like to share with you today is this. When you know you are loved, when you know you're accepted, when you know you're forgiven, it's amazing what you can do in the kingdom of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted sitting on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. "'Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. "'With two wings they covered their faces, "'with two they covered their feet, "'and with two they were flying. "'And they were calling out to one another, "'Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty! "'The whole earth is full of his glory!' "'At the sound of their voices, "'the doorpost and the threshold shook, "'and the temple was filled with smoke. "'Woe to me!' I cried, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before we start into the uh, p- passage, let's look a little bit at the historical and the literary context of Isaiah chapter six. Scholars tell us that Isaiah uh, has a division between the first 12 chapters that is called a triptych. It's like a three-paneled photograph, like that which you would have uh, in your living room, where you have the boy on one side, the girl on the other, and the whole family in that middle panel. Well, Isaiah one through 12 forms this uh, triptych on, on both sides, these are oracles of judgment divine judgment on the people of God where the prophet has to tell them to turn from their ways, to turn from unrighteousness, to turn from injustice and to come back to the ways of God where God tells his people, I'm sick and tired of your festivals. I'm sick and tired of your religious rituals. Come back to me. What I want is joyful obedience, righteousness and justice. In terms of the middle panel, That is where we have the call of the prophet that we are looking at today. And in terms of the historical context, it says right there in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. Who was King Uzziah? Well, the amazing thing was that he started reigning at the age of 16. Can you imagine that? I've had four 16-year-olds, and I don't know that I'd put them in charge of anything. But here he started at 16 and reigned for 15. 52 years, And he's listed as one of the good kings. We know this from the Chronicles and from the Book of Kings. We, we see that he was listed as someone who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But at the very end, he made a big mistake. He was filled with arrogance and with pride. And and he did not wait, and he crossed a boundary that he was not supposed to cross. He went from the place of political rule, which was his right, because he was the king, and he crossed a boundary that was something that was supposed to be done by the priests, which was to light the incense. Some of the priests were late to their duties, and so other priests said to the king, please do not do this wicked thing. And yet he went arrogantly and lit the incense. And because of that, it says in scripture that God punished him, And gave him something like leprosy and he died. And so here it's in that year that King Uzziah died. We have that internal turmoil of the king just having died. And probably, according to some scholars, the external turmoil of the Assyrians who are advancing to take the people into exile. It is here that Isaiah says, it is in this year that I saw the Lord. Now, John Calvin asks the question that we are probably thinking right now. How can someone see the Lord? We know from other passages of Scripture that it is impossible to see the Lord and live. One would die just from the radiance of God's glory. And yet, John Calvin says in his commentary, one can see God in as much as he or she has capacity to do so. Others comment that it is interesting to note that even though he says i saw the lord he describes everything around him but not god directly he says he sees the lord high and exalted seated on a throne and that the train of his robe fills the temple. Now, in the Hebrew mindset, they would have known right away that there is a contrast that is being made between Uzziah, who crossed a boundary he was not supposed to cross from the place of political rule to the place of religious ritual. But for God, here, you see the two T's, the throne and the temple. And for God, there is no limit. This is the distinction of creator and creature. And he's sitting on the throne, the train filled, the, of his robe fills the temple. Then it tells us that there are these six-winged creatures, this, these angels called seraphim. Now, seraphim means ardent one, burning burning one, or fiery one. And it's a, a name that's close to my heart because my youngest daughter is called Serafina. And that comes from the word seraphim now it says that they have six wings with two they cover their faces the early church fathers say to us that the reason that they cover their faces is because God's glory is so so intense that they have to cover their faces and with two they cover their feet There are two explanations for this. One is some say that this is a euphemism to just a polite way to say that they cover their nakedness. Others say, no, they're covering their feet because in the Middle Eastern cultures, it is an insult to show your feet to someone. Some of you might be old enough to remember that there was an American president, George W. Bush. He was giving a conference in the Middle East and one of the journalists from Iraq threw both his shoes as projectiles at the president of the United States. Now, it wasn't so much that he was throwing his shoe as a projectile to try to hurt or to probably try to maim someone, although he might have not minded that, but this is a typical thing called shoeing, which means uh, that I am insulting you. And so here, these, these angels appropriately in the presence of God cover their feet. And with the other two, they are flying, where they are emissaries of God doing his bidding when he wishes for them to do so. What are these uh, seraphim doing? They are calling out to one another antiphonally. In a call and response, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the other group is responding, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, we have this trisagion or this three-time holy phrase that is here. This describes the Lord. Now, some people have said that or suggested that this might be a um, mechanism that is used in Hebrew because we don't have a comparative or a superlative like we do in English. For example, in English, we say fast, faster, fastest. But here, they don't have that. And so they're saying, holy, holy, holy. But what the Hebrew scholars tell us is that this means completeness. God's holiness is absolute. And then it says something that maybe for the Jewish people was difficult to hear. It says here, the whole earth is full of his glory. Not just one nation. The glory of God cannot be hogged just by one country or one place. The glory of God is for the whole earth. And so they have to listen to this. This shows the universality of the kingdom of God, the universality of the gospel. Then in verse four, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shake and the temple is filled with, with smoke. This is a common, uh, common scene of a theophany when God appears and when God is revealed. Calvin again says about this text, how amazing is it that inanimate objects respond this way? How much more should we who can listen and feel and understand? Now, we have looked at this place where Isaiah has looked up and had an encounter with God. And now he's going to look in and in juxtaposition to the holiness and majesty of God, he has this Appropriate response, where he says, "Woe to me! I am ruined. It's like I am dead." He says, "I am a man of unclean lips, and and not only that, I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." So, in juxtaposition to this powerful, holy God, Isaiah realizes his unworthiness—that he is inadequate before God—and that's why he says, "Woe to me." But then something amazing happens after this confession. There is a cleansing that takes place. One of those seraphim has to stop his worship, go pick up a live coal from the altar, and touch this man under the mouth. And it says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. This is the amazing proto-gospel proto evangelion we would say this is already the sign of the good news isaiah has confessed that he is a man that is unworthy that he's a man of unclean lips and lives among a people of unclean lips but god sends one of his emissaries to take care of that and to touch him with a live coal on his lips now recently Anna Erickson, one of our own, has said that every message should have somewhere that it points to Jesus Christ. In this message, if we're going to do that, this is the appropriate place. Because Jesus Christ is the live coal of the New Testament. That not only touches our lips, but touches our hearts and transforms our mind and renews us and gives us life. Jesus Christ, whom we just celebrated with the miracle of the incarnation, who, did, who became one of us, John 1.14, the word made flesh, and he put his dwelling among us. One of my favorite sayings is that one that says that throughout history, there have been many men who have been wanting to be like gods, but there's only been one God who has been willing to become man. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ identified with us out of love, out of mercy, out of compassion, and he came to save us. Jesus then does his incredible work on the cross where he forgives us of our sins. He becomes that live coal that transforms our lives, that gives us renewal as we come in repentance to him and also confess that we are unworthy and inadequate. He comes and even in our brokenness restores us and calls us unto himself. He resurrects and calls us to life in abundance and to life eternal. And then he goes to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And from there, he sends the Holy Spirit to empower us for his service. And that's where this also happens in the last verse. It happens when God then says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Now, if if you were writing this uh, in a high school paper, you might see some red ink on there. You're you're talking in the singular, and then you're talking in the plural. What's going on? Well, first it is the divine counsel of God that is speaking to Isaiah as one. But then it's also the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, holy, 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 who are saying, who will go for us? They have a commissioning for Isaiah. They have a calling and an empowerment for Isaiah. And Isaiah, who thought he was dead, only can now appropriately answer by saying, I've been vivified. I've been made alive in Christ. Now I also can say, here am I. Send me. He is then sent to do a work that won't be easy, but that must be done. He can joyfully go and join in the task Pillar Church, we also are sent into the world. The church has an apostolic function. Apostolos in Greek means sent ones. We are sent into the world. We are sent to be emissaries of God's love, of his redemption, of the good news that Jesus still transforms lives today. We don't just go to church. We are the church. And as the church, we are called to go into every sector of public life and, re- and call it to renewal, to call it to transformation in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is why the Spirit has been given to us. So just like uh, Rocio, whose story I shared, uh, we also can know that we are loved, we are accepted, and we are forgiven. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.